morning, everyone. This is uh, Andy LeBeau from Commodity Research Group. Today is Wednesday, June 20th, and we are launching with this podcast a weekly podcast that is going to talk about the EIA numbers, which come out mostly on, uh, supposed to come out on Wednesday, sometimes on Thursday, and also a quick overview of the uh, of the market. This is going to be different from our monthly report, our monthly podcast, and uh, I'm very fortunate today to be joined by industry veteran Marty Stetzer, who uh, has been working in the industry for many years, and we're happy to have been partnering with Marty and uh, EKT over these uh, podcasts. Marty? Thanks, Andy. Happy to be here. Uh, hi, everyone. As Andy says, I'm Marty Stetzer here in Houston, president of EKT Interactive. We have an oil and gas uh, training firm. If you're new to oil and gas and like to learn how the industry works, uh, take a look at our website at www.ektinteractive.com. And I'm happy to be part of Andy's uh, weekly conversation. We track industry events for both our, to keep our training current and for our podcast series, which is also on the website. So back over to you, Andy. What did you see in the numbers this week that our listeners should be aware of or kind of watch in the future? Well, the, the first thing, the, the, the numbers were, were a mixed bag, no doubt. Uh, crude stocks were bullish. Products were bearish. Uh, crude stocks drew by uh, 5.9 million barrels relative to uh, expectations of about a 2 million barrel draw. We had down uh, down 3.2, so certainly uh, that big of a draw was uh, supportive for the supportive for the market. Uh, and indeed, the, the market has uh, at least crude has rallied somewhat since the uh, numbers came out. Alternatively, gasoline built more than expects. Uh, market expectations for uh, gasoline were uh, a build of 0.2, and gasoline was up 3.3. We, we were closest. Uh, we had up 1.6. And distillate, I thought, was a big surprise. Uh, we had a draw of distillate of about a half million. Market was looking for down 0.2, and uh, it came in up uh, around 3 million barrels. So bullish for crude. Bearish for uh, bearish for products, and this is this is something that uh, I think we're going to see here over the next couple of weeks. Because the big number for me was that crude runs jumped up to 17.7 million barrels a day. That's pretty close to last year's August record of uh, 17.73 million barrels per day. It had taken refiners a long time because they to get up to this type of uh, crude run number. Uh, they had had a lot of problems coming out of turnarounds to start hiking up the crude run number. And finally, they have gotten here uh, after weeks and weeks. And we're probably going to see this number go up, go up and make a new record sometime in July and August. And what does that mean? It means that crude stocks are going to, uh, we think, continue to draw here uh, over, the next, uh, over the next couple of weeks and get even you know, get even get even tighter relative to uh, the four-year average. Uh, crude stocks are 427 million. That's 20 behind the uh, four-year average. And if you look at days supply, crude is at currently at 24 days, which is inventories over runs. 
it's at 24 days versus the four-year average of uh, 27 days, and we're 80 million below last year. So that big crude surplus uh, that weighed on the market in uh, 16 and 17, um, you know, it has it is gone. And I think I think stocks are going to draw. I think stocks are going to draw some more here, which uh, certainly is uh, supportive for for crude. Andy, quick question: With the refiners running behind uh, and now gearing up, were they a little bit behind on the summer driving season, which is normally where gasoline is uh, is their biggest product and is often kind of tight? That is actually where they got behind, Marty, was on diesel. Uh, huh. They got way behind on diesel because um, you know running, as you know, Marty, uh, you know running some of the the uh, West Texas crudes, some of the unconventionals, uh, has yielded less distillates uh, because of the waxy nature of uh, of some of those crudes. So so diesel yields were were low, and as as a matter of fact, distillate stocks were were way low relative to the, the four-year average. And, and refiners really needed to get on the stick to rebuild distillate. And maybe this week's big, you know, this week's unanticipated build in distillate is the beginning of that because they cranked it out. I mean, they really made a lot of distillate this week, at, you know, finally. Which says, which says the economy is bubbling along for uh, trucks and boats and uh, jet planes that, that use that distillate, Andy, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Although I have been surprised that that distillate demand hasn't been a little bit stronger than, than what I had thought, but it's still it's it's still been pretty good. And export demand has been you know that's been outstanding, um, and continues to be owing to all the problems in uh, in Latin America. You know some of the some of the refinery problems in Latin America. So distillate that's something to watch because if these yields stay up here. You know, we'll we'll be able to at least begin to to rebuild. Great, great observation. Uh, and just in terms of gasoline, yeah, you know, gas built this week. Demand has been, I don't know, somewhat lackluster, which which may be which may not be a big surprise given where um, pump prices are. Uh, and if you look at gasoline inventories, the um, we're right now at two hundred and forty million. Or 25 days supply. Uh, the the four-year average is 228. Uh, last year we were at 242. So ga gasoline really doesn't it continues not to look all that all that interesting. Refiners really didn't get you know they were they, they really didn't get behind on uh, gasoline. It was diesel that was the uh, big issue, and, and jet too. They got they got behind on uh, on jet fuel. Um, and, and just looking at Cushing, we had a draw in Cushing of, of uh, about 1.3 million to 32.6, which is uh, way behind last year, which was 60, 61 million. So uh, Cushing, you know, maybe may get tighter. Uh, obviously, there's a lot going on in the um, if you look at some of these pipeline movements, there's a lot going on given where the differentials are, but that's a whole nother podcast. Exactly. So that's the short-term stuff, Andy. What else is going on that our listeners might be interested in? Well, they may be interested in, in, the, meet, in the OPEC meeting on Friday, I think, Marty. Just, I mean, just maybe. They might, they, be. They, they might be. I know that you are, uh, you know, you've done a lot of work with, uh, with the Saudis, and, 
you know, you, you had some, we had talked before and you had some really interesting observations. I think our listeners would, would love to hear. Well, Andy, uh, you know, but the listeners may not know that I was uh, assigned to Saudi Arabia with PricewaterhouseCoopers for four or five years and had the opportunity to not only see them kind of from outside the kingdom, but inside the kingdom. And honestly, I have an utmost respect for the way they manage their major asset, which is their crude oil reserves. And they always seem to take the long-term view, even though they've there's been some, you know, kind of wobbles here recently with the new regime. But Saudi Arabia had somewhere between 90 and 100 years of reserves, even at these production rates. And uh, watching them uh, from the outside since the 90s, whatever number Saudi Arabia really wants is kind of the number where it ends up. Uh, I know they talk about the U.S. as being a swing producer, but Saudi Arabia still has a huge ability to raise production up and down. So we'll see what is going on with, with the OPEC meeting. But uh, and whether my observation turns out to be true, because there's a lot more going on with OPEC right now than just Saudi Arabia's leadership, as I understand it, Andy. Oh, there's there's no question. I mean, there's there's so much going on within OPEC because of uh, because of geopolitical changes. You know, certainly with Iran and Venezuela having. Uh, under uh, about, well, Iran about to be under U.S. sanctions, uh, and Venezuela also under some U.S. sanctions, and the, the alliance the Saudis have made with the the Russians. Uh, this just, Russian, not an OPEC meeting, but not not an OPEC producer, but clearly, you know, is is gotten much more involved with OPEC and production policy. Uh, but Marty, I think you made, I think you really made a great point because they do take the long view uh, as well as the short view because, you know, they see the balances like the rest of us and, you know, they could see, all right, well, if Venezuela continues to decline, uh, if Iranian barrels are off the are off the market, we just lost Libyan production because of uh, uh, the fracas has uh, reignited in in Libya. We just lost zero point. We just lost four hundred thousand barrels a day of Libyan, not long term, but we don't know. You know, they, the Saudis could see that we we're going to need some more barrels onto the market, the, despite the fact, yeah, the Trump the Trump administration asked them to raise production. I, I think they may have been pushing for that anyway. The Russians are pushing for that. And uh, as a result, I think we're going to see a production increase at, at this meeting. It'll be interesting to see if your crystal ball is, uh, is as good as we think. What else is going on, Andy? Well, we, we also have uh, the, the whole China-U.S. tariff situation that, that looks like a, a brush fire is, is escalating uh, into a, into a full-blown uh, trade war. And, and that, too, is going to um, – that, too, is going to play out over, uh, over the next few weeks and, and months. Uh, the Chinese have uh, threatened to raise tariff, tariffs on U.S. crude and refined product exports currently and, – and China's um, has been buying. Uh, they're, they've been increasing uh, their purchases of both crude and uh, products. Uh, in the first quarter, according to the EIA, they bought 600,000 barrels a day of crude and products, around 400 crude, 200 products. Now that will be replaced, and, and flows will change. But th there's going to be there's going to be dislocation, and uh, again, it'll depend on 
if, if China does raise tariffs, it will, we'll see if, uh, you know, where, where are they going to go to replace U.S. barrels? They're going to be the Saudis, the Iranians. You know, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of interesting um, changes in, in oil flows if, if the, these um, tariff increases go, go through and the Chinese do raise tariffs on uh, U.S. crude and uh, refined product exports. You know, Andrew, that's an interesting observation. I hadn't thought about uh, the, I thought about the tariffs affecting the manufacturing industry, maybe things slowing down and the need for hydrocarbons slowing down. I hadn't thought about what happens if our material is now subject to a tariff where the other parts of the world are not. So it'll be, again, it'll be an interesting thing to kind of watch here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're right. Where are, where are our barrels going to, you know, they'll probably go to Europe and the, the things will move around. But, I, but the point you made, yeah, these tariffs could, could, lead, to a, could lead to a slowdown and, uh, you know, certainly could affect consumption of, uh, of refined products, no doubt. Wendy, it was great. I'm really happy to participate. Anything kind of a summary as a wrap-up that you'd like to add? Uh, I, I think that uh, we're in for some really interesting trading coming up. Uh, to me, uh, and we'll see what these what OPEC uh, comes OPEC and non OPEC. Russia, I think, is going to increase production no matter what. Uh, they're already gearing up. You know, we'll see what OPEC and, and non OPEC. Uh, producers ha have in store for us. Um, but, uh, you know, if nothing changes, if there's no change, if there's no incremental barrels from either OPEC or non-OPEC, you know, the market looks very bullish, uh, uh, undoubtedly looks very bullish into the, into the second half of, of this year, even if demand slows modestly, um, you know, the, the balances look, look uh, very supportive. Andy, thanks for your observations, and I really enjoyed participating. Where do our listeners go if they need to find out more information? To find us on the uh, web, they go to www.commodityresearchgroup.com and they can get a hold of me by email at alebo at commodityresearchgroup.com. A-L-E-B-O-W, one word. Thanks, Marty. Thanks again, Andy. 